1: Welcome to CFB Nation, presented by Twisted Tea. Welcome, everybody, to the CFB All-America Podcast. I am not Bill Trochi. That is Bill Bender. But this is the CFB All-America Podcast, and we are going to break down tonight's top 25 playoff rankings. Bill, I'm Brian Driscoll, filling in for Bill Trochi, who is uh, busy tonight with some responsibilities of sporting news. But uh, quite a shakeup tonight in the CFB playoff rankings, Bill. We're going to dive into those. Uh, discuss the new rankings there's obviously a new top four there's three new teams in the top 25 and of course there is a game coming up this weekend that I know you're going to have your eye on as someone who lives right in the middle of the state of Ohio that is going to have a big impact on the college football rankings bill but let's just first just quickly go through the top 25 you've got Liberty 25 they are the new team we'll talk about them in a minute Clemson 24 Tulane 23 NC State 22 Tennessee at number 21 Oklahoma State at 20 Kansas State at 19, Notre Dame at 18, Iowa at 17, Oregon State 16, Arizona 15, LSU 14, Oklahoma 13, Ole Miss 12, 11, Penn State 10, Louisville 9, Missouri 8, Alabama 7, Texas 6, Oregon. And then you have the flip of Washington jumps up to number four with Florida State falling to number five. And then your one, two, three stays the same. Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan number three. First of all, Bill, just overall thoughts. Just on the top 25, we'll get into the Florida State-Washington stuff, but just some overall thoughts on uh, what you saw from the rankings tonight.
2: Yeah, the the deck is starting to be stacked, how they're going to do it. Uh, Liberty being in the top 25 is good. I don't think there should be four lost teams in the top 25, so putting Clemson and Tennessee in there, despite the way that Clemson's playing, I understand that. I mean, they're, they're like you said, positioning teams so they can come to their final decision and have – It's almost like a lawyer case right that they can say well we had it like this so you know it's kind of that plausible deniability Mm -hmm. should chaos ensue
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: The, the wild thing about it is when you look at the top 25 ranking and you could say, you know, we'll, we'll talk Washington, Florida State here in a second. But you could say, well, you know, Florida State's resume is not as good now because they lost to or because they, they, you know, because Washington beat Oregon State, which helps their resume. whatever, But you just jumped Clemson into the top 25, which means you have one more top 25 win now for Florida State. They now have two. They also beat number 14 LSU. So it, the whole thing is just kind of odd when you look at it. There's there's multiple four loss teams in there. Tennessee with four losses is ranked ahead of both one loss, uh, Tulane and one undefeated uh, Liberty, which is just a little wild to me. And then and, and I know Clemson's playing well, but here, here's the thing I'll say, Bill, How, what's the resume for Clemson built on? Why are they in? It's it's not because they beat Georgia Tech and North Carolina alone. You also because you beat Notre Dame. You drop North Carolina out of the top twenty-five. Their best win is now over Notre Dame, so they're in the top twenty-five as a four-loss team. But does that top does that win for Louisville not or for Louisville over Notre Dame not affect their resume because they are the lowest-ranked power one-loss Power Five team, despite having a resume that includes multiple wins over top twenty-five teams because they now have a win over number eighteen Notre Dame but now they also have a win over uh number 20 would be number 22 NC state who right. jumped this weekend at 8 and 3 so the, the, the it just it a lot of it doesn't make sense to me
2: well i mean that that part of it is is for positioning a little bit i had a feeling nc state would be ranked we had them mm-hmm. at 8 and 3 and you know you kind of start to stack up how many teams have three losses how many have four Clemson's ranked because Tyler from Spartanburg called into their show and and fired Sweeney up, and that's a storyline that everybody loves right now. And right. the Tigers have played pretty well since then. Um, but you know, it comes down to this: what I took from these rankings, and we might as well get into it now, is this Florida State Washington thing, where mm-hmm. you and I know that they they're coding it that it was an easy out for them to say Washington. we we were impressed by them at Oregon state because they've beaten three ranked opponents. You can fall back on strength of victory, but part of it is about Jordan Travis being injured. And if they just would say, yeah, they're a different team with him. Right. Is this, so we get this a lot. I got that. We could either do it this way. Is this JT Barrett going down for Ohio state in 14 or is it Kenyon Martin going down for Cincinnati in two thousand? I think it's more Kenyon Martin.
1: See, here, here, or, or Dennis, here's a, a better football example. Dennis Dixon going down in 07 for Oregon, a team that I think still plays for the BCS title game that year in 07 against Ohio State instead of LSU if Dennis Dixon doesn't get hurt, right? But my, my whole thing is, how about we let them play a couple games first? Like, here's the thing. It, it, it'll take care of itself if you just let it play out because you're going to have a justification in a couple weeks of jumping Washington over them if Washington goes out and beats Oregon. Right. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. And then if Florida State goes out there and runs the table, beats Florida and beats Louisville, you know, what are you dropping them out for? I might think, let's just see how they play first with him. Because as you said, we have recent evidence of a quarterback going down late in the year for a good team and that team rallying and going out and winning a national championship, which we saw obviously with Cardo Jones. And that team jumped into the top four after he got, after JT Bear got hurt because they right. didn't jump until after the Big 10 title game. So my whole thing was is like if, if you're going to tell me oh it's about resume, well, I understand all that, but you just jumped a couple teams that that Florida State has beat into the rankings, including a win over number 4, a 21 point win over four, number 14 LSU where yes, Washington has now three wins over ranked teams, but those wins combined don't equal the number of points that Florida State beat LSU. Right. Because Washington's won by 7. Uh, two and three. Now I'm not a mathematician Bill, but I kind of think that's less than 21.
2: Right. And well, and that's my thing. Well, Reese and Reese Davis on the show, when he was talking to Boo Corrigan, the committee chair, they were greasing the, you know, you could kind of, with these shows, you kind of see, okay, what, what, what are they trying to prime for the next debate? And it's yeah. easy as, I mean, it's transparent as can be that they're trying to set up can a one-loss team jump an undefeated Florida State? My answer would be a 1,000% it won't happen.
1: It better not.
2: And if it did, it would just be admitting that we're just doing whatever we want to do. Right. So if Florida State beats Florida, and it doesn't matter how they do it. Now, one thing, and I'll I'll get your thoughts on this. You're the X's and O's guy. I I think Florida State, where this differs from JT Barrett was, Ohio state changed when Cardale Jones was quarterback because he could throw the ball a mile. Mm-hmm. He was able to stretch the defense with the deep ball, probably more than JT Barrett wasn't the same running threat. I don't know what Florida State's going to be with Tate Rodemaker other than you know he's going to just have to be the same efficient quarterback that Jordan Travis right. is. But obviously I think their offense will rein in a little more. Maybe not. He's got two pretty good receivers.
1: Yeah, I think he's a kid that can throw the ball down the field. I mean, you saw what happened. I mean, again, North Alabama, right? So I don't want to say too much about it. But this is a kid that came in in the game, and and as I as I point out in our show today, Bill, that offense looked a whole lot better when Tate Rodemaker came in. Tate Rodemaker came in for Jordan Travis than it looked when Jordan Travis got hurt. I think he got hurt. They were losing like what thirteen to nothing, something along those lines when he got hurt. I believe it was early in the game. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on that. And then they ended up winning what fifty eight to thirteen. Right. Right. And when you look at Florida State, my whole thing is that they are not who they are because of Jordan Travis, in my opinion. Like Jordan Travis is a good quarterback, but he's had better seasons recently. He he's an efficient game manager this season. He's not running like he used to. He only has 176 rushing yards. Uh, He, he, for example, my point being, they don't rely on him the way that Michael Penix, like Washington, relies on Michael Penix. they're more of a Florida state's more like the three teams ahead of Washington where their quarterbacks are doing some good things, but they're not undefeated because of their quarterbacks. Their quarterbacks are, you know, pieces like cogs to the, you know, to, to, to it. And that, that's my whole thing is so like, let's, let's just like, I just say, let it play out first, but I do think you have to give merit to the fact that Washington has three wins over top 25 teams. Florida state has two. And you know, so so you can make that case. I just think they should have probably waited a week uh, you know, to kind of do that. That way you can kind of get off some of the whole, well, you know, we wanted to see how Florida State played. Right. That's my thing.
2: I and I'm fine with Washington ahead of them right now. And I think, but I it's just the the idea that, that Florida State could slip yeah. behind like Oregon or right. and, and they whoever loses the Michigan Ohio State game is going to fall behind Florida State. Should. Yeah. Should let's say, yeah. you know, we'll see where we're at next Tuesday when we do this show. But um, that's a great point about Florida State. I mean, and we've watched, I mean, I remember the year they went to the national BCS championship game with it was Thad Busby. You right. know, they've had injuries right. before, and they've they've had that kind of cookie-cutter quarterback that Rodamaker might be, you know, right. you know, it might be a kind of like an old school 90s Florida State type team. So I, I definitely I'm okay with Washington being where they're at. I am impressed that they've gotten through this Pac 12 gauntlet when yeah. for four weeks we've been sitting here saying Oregon's gonna beat them anyway.
1: Yeah. I I haven't been saying no, I'm not saying either. That. <laughs> uh here, here's the here's the only here's the other thing for me, Bill, and this is my biggest observation, and just just hear me out on this one because I know I have a feeling I know what your reaction is going to be. My issue continues to be the lack of consistency in which they're applying the data. If you're going to tell me Washington is now should should be ahead of Florida State because of the teams that they beat then you also then have to look at their resume compared to Michigan's because Florida State actually has more top 25 wins over Michigan. So I'm not sitting here saying I want to make the case for Washington over Michigan. That's a different conversation for a different type of type of debate. It's more of if you're going to apply that because now Washington's resume has improved which is the argument they made, right? They didn't talk about the quarterback being hurt and all that. If you would have been more honest about that, then I'm not sitting here questioning, well, then why didn't they also leap Michigan? Because in the last two weeks, Michigan got a win, finally got a ranked win over a Penn State team, but their other seven-point win over a very unimpressive six and five Maryland team, right? So their resume to me doesn't stack up against against Washington so we we just go back to this are we applying resumes are we applying eye test what's the percentage of each because you can't make the case that that Washington now deserves to move up based on who they beat if you're not going to apply that to every team ahead of them who they've beat and that's that's where where I think it's just I I, I'd rather you just to your point I'd rather you just say hey listen we're not sure Florida State's the same team they are without Jordan Travis and just say that yeah,
2: just come you. out and say it. Be right. honest, like if you want to put Washington over Michigan, that's fine. Over by resume, that's fine. Right. But, you know, when you were listening to this ESPN show, Joey Galloway was pretty critical of Michigan and he said they looked bad against Penn State. I was like, "What? <laughs> they they ran the ball 32 straight times and they just uh, you know, they kind of played that game conservative and went in and won in a tough place. They didn't look great last week, but They still won the game. So, I mean, I I think we're going to learn all we need to learn about Michigan and rather this suspension. I think it's impacting it more than people are leading on. I think it's impacting J.J. McCarthy a great deal because he doesn't have Jim Harbaugh during a game to a former NFL quarterback to maybe sound walk through some things with. Um, I think it's a huge deal this week, too. But all of that, the Big Ten part of this puzzle is going to figure itself out because the winner will probably – Go ahead and beat Iowa, and the loser will be out and go to the Orange right. Bowl. That's easy. Right. Um right. The Georgia-Alabama piece is a little harder to figure out.
1: Yeah, the Georgia-Alabama there's – there's two really interesting storylines to me – three interesting storylines, Bill, and we'll, we'll dive more into Michigan and Ohio State coming up. But there's still a lot of movement that's going to happen because you've got the Alabama-Georgia game coming up in a couple weeks and the SEC title game, plus – you're going to have a Washington, most likely have a Washington Oregon Oregon rematch in two weeks. I believe Washington has clinched a spot. Correct. Oregon has to win to get in.
2: Yeah, if, because if, Arizona if, is still in the mix.
1: Right, because they have two conference losses. Mm-hmm. Right, I believe. Yes. So that's going to be a very interesting, uh, peace talking point here because how how does. You know, how does Oregon factor in? Does Oregon automatically jump in if they beat Washington? Because their resume isn't quite as strong as Washington's is overall. You know, they'd have the win over Washington, but, you know, some of their other stuff. Because does, does, if Oregon they beat Oregon State, now Oregon State's a four-loss team that's hanging on to the top 25, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how those things play out. And then, of course, you've got Florida State's got to play a top-10 Louisville team. What does that do to their resume? So there's a lot to still happen here these next two weeks. So th- wow. this is by far not not locked in stone.
2: I think of the nine one loss teams or less, Louisville's not going to go to the playoff no matter what they do. No,
1: and they shouldn't. They, Which they is shouldn't.
2: fine, but they're still the the fact that they're behind Missouri is kind of absurd.
1: It is very absurd.
2: And yeah. What what is what do you think their logic is?
1: It's it's because I'm honestly part of me wonders if it's just. Setting them up to kind of say, hey, look, if they beat if, if Florida State beats Louisville, we still have justification to keep Florida State out. Because right. I, I think what it comes down to is if Alabama beats Georgia, I think the committee is going to just jump at the chance to jump Alabama in and still leave Georgia in. And now you have your justification for for drop, dropping uh, Florida State out. But I, I'm looking at their schedule and, and I don't know what the justification is, honestly. I mean, they have a win, a 13 point win over top 25 team. In the ranking. They have a, a 13-10 road win over a team now ranked 22nd. You're, you have two top 25 wins that Louisville is hanging their hats on. And you know, when I look at Missouri, I think Missouri's a good football team. I, I really do. And I think that's I think that's why they're they're um to me, I think that's partly why they're keeping Tennessee in. Because having Tennessee in justifies Missouri's ranking a little bit. But Missouri's ranked in the top 25 based on what wins, Bill. It's beating a Tennessee team that's now got four losses and shouldn't be ranked. Florida. And, and beating Kansas State, right, who is now – who is 19th.
2: On a 60-yard right. field goal.
1: Right. Not nearly as convincing as the win Louisville had over Notre Dame where they won by 13 points, and I believe Notre Dame scored last in that game. Right? So right. Uh, it's just th- – that's, that's been my biggest issue, Bill, is just the lack of overall consistency in the rankings. With these teams. And, you know, like, why is Penn State over Ole Miss? What's the win Penn State has to to be ranked ahead of Ole Miss when Ole Miss has a win over number 14 LSU and number 23 Tulane? What's the justification for that right. other than trying to maybe keep one of your, both of your Big 10 teams in? That's the other conversation are they trying to, to politic Penn State to keep in Iowa, like Iowa being 17th? 17th? You know, that's for what? to boost up the resume of the Big Ten champ, you know? So there's just a lot of this stuff that's just so easy to see what they're doing, but it's just – it continues to be the biggest issue, and I have been a a, a supporter and a defender of the playoff committee for years because I think for – in the past years, I think they've done a very good job of justifying teams, but this just reminds me a lot of 2014. It wasn't so much that they jumped Ohio State over TCU. It's the reasoning they tried to give us for it, because they not only dropped them below Ohio State, but then they dropped them below Baylor, and they tried to say it's because Baylor beat them head to head. And I'm like, that happened a month and a half ago. Right? Like, you, you know, like just. But since then, I think they've done a pretty good job with getting the four right. There have been some seeding discussions I could have with them, but I think they've got the four right most yeah. years. Yeah, they and do. And that's my issue is just the lack of consistency in which they're applying these rankings right now. And and like, how is a two-loss Missouri over a one-loss Louisville team that has better wins? This, I mean, again, Louisville has better. What's Missouri's best win? It's over number nineteen Kansas State on a sixty-yard field goal. What is Louisville's best win? It's a thirteen-point win over number eighteen Notre Dame at home, and at, both at home, both and at home. Right. Look good doing right. it too. They let they they they, they never trailed that game. Notre Dame, it was tied at halftime. No, Notre Dame took a 10-3 to lead early in the third quarter, and then Louisville steamrolled them after that. Right. You know, so uh, it, it just, how, how, how do you justify it? It just doesn't right. make a lot of sense how you justify it. And then you look, well, the second best win that Missouri has is better than, than Louisville's by one. Again, so you flip them. But they say, okay, well, one team has two losses. One team has one. So are we really going to say Missouri should be higher because they have better losses? I thought the committee has always said they don't care about who you lost to as much as they care about who you beat. Right. And that's the, that's the thing that drives me nuts. There's just so much inconsistent rankings. Like, how in the world is a four-loss Tennessee team ahead of a one-loss Tulane team? I mean, Tulane played a Big Ten team or an SEC team without their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt, and were more competitive in that game than Tennessee's been in a lot of their losses in recent weeks. To right. SEC teams, right? Because they played Ole Miss, so well, they well, should have
2: Toledo ranked anyway over right. any. And I'm not, right. I'm not even making a joke. Like Toledo right. absolutely should be ranked over either one of these four lost teams, like they are in the AP right. top twenty five. Right. Um. So yeah, I think consistency is an issue. They always favor the SEC. They that's what they do. And as you look at this, so the way I kind of see the board is okay. Now we're down to eight teams for four spots. If we're crossing Louisville off. And, you know, for Alabama, their fate isn't just the SEC. It's they really need Texas to lose one of these last two games because otherwise there's no justification for how do you say, okay, let's say Alabama beats Georgia. To me, it should be that could potentially lock the SEC out of the championship or the playoff if Texas wins both its games. Right. But it won't. Because right. you heard them talking about another thing that they're setting up—that if you—and I think your listeners are s- smart enough about this—that they're setting up the Georgia lose and still get in scenario.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's it's plain a day,
2: and they'll say, "Well, they dominated for twelve weeks, and they lost to the eighth right. best team in the country."
1: That right there is why Missouri's ninth.
2: There you go. I mean, that—that's that, that
1: that's it. That's why Tennessee is twenty-first. That's 100%, and that's the thing that drives me nuts because well, I've heard people say this. Well, if if Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama now has the best win in college football this year. And I'm like, no, they don't because now Texas does.
2: Right, because Texas beat the SDC champ.
1: Right, and the, the t- they beat the team that beat Georgia. Exactly, neutral site versus at Bama. And, and again, a game again, they won by 10 points and were clearly the better team in the fourth quarter. So the whole thing is just – and again, I don't want to hear the, well, you know – like, how is Oregon ahead of Texas? Can can we talk about that too? What what's the justification for having Oregon ahead of Texas?
2: I'm less bothered by that one. I I I understand like Oregon doesn't have like a huge win. There's no doubt. Right. Like they don't but man, hey, look, I if I and I'm guilty of doing this, Brian. We did it a little bit last week mm-hmm. when we were going back and forth about Alabama, and Florida State. I think Oregon will beat Texas. But that's not justification enough to wreck Oregon over Texas. So, I just
1: so you so you think that Oregon would also beat Alabama?
2: I'm entertaining it, yeah. Like I, I think so. I mean, I like that offense. I now granted they they could get in a game with Alabama and get out physical because when right. is the last time a Pac twelve team really laid it to the SEC powerhouse? I'd have to go yeah. back and look. I mean, it's, I, I think I'm the gonna... last time they
1: got a non-conference win like that would probably be Ohio State two years ago, right? Yeah, Oregon like one where
2: – Because what yeah. do we always talk about with those Pac-12 teams is – it's funny, Boo Corrigan talked about this as well tonight, is I always look at their trenches and say, right. is that going to matter when they go play Georgia? Um, they – the Boo Corrigan, you, you talked about like weird – Rationale: mm-hmm. When he was talked about Washington, the most random stat he popped in there was their their defenses looked good, really good the last six quarters. I was like, like what, what, "What are we talking
1: about? Yeah, what, it was,
2: what metric is that? <laughs> what yeah. sortable was that one? That's pretty a good one. They did look pretty good against Oregon State, but I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's not why I would have them number four,
1: right? Right. It just what what frustrates me too is is you're just making up criteria when you try to have that conversation, in my opinion. And and it's like my issue with the eye testing from your opinion of so-and-so would beat so-and-so. Who would be favored? Like I don't, I don't, we don't know. You're now basing, making, not you, just generally speaking, you are making rankings based off what you think might happen instead of looking at what has actually happened And making the rankings based off that, because when I look at Oregon, everybody says, well, you know, if Oregon played so and so and so and so, if they played Washington again, they'd be favored. I'm like, that's fine. But all I know for a fact is is that right now they played Oregon and beat Oregon. That's what I know happened. Now, maybe that changes in two weeks. I don't know the answer to that, but that's kind of my, my first you think. Texas would would lose to so you know Oregon but we don't know that what we I know that's what I is say, that yeah. Texas went on the, I'm not saying you know I'm talking about the, right. more looking at the committee standpoint here's what I know I know that Texas went on the road and beat Alabama convincingly by you know it was a back and forth game for a while but they were clearly the better team I know that Texas has a win over a Kansas State team that you clearly think somehow justifies having missouri with two losses only two spots behind texas at seven right, right. it just goes back to the overall consistency in, in which we see and the and what i continue to believe we we t- had this conversation on the show yesterday bill there's still this thought of the sec is the best conference of college football and my whole thing is you're only basing that off of what's happened in the past you can't base that off what's anything that's happened this season on the football field because here here's like for example the best team in the Pac-12 right now, or excuse me, the um, uh, the best team in the Big 12 right now went and smacked on on their campus a team that's playing for the SEC championship. The best team in the ACC smacked a team that you have ranked 14th by three touchdowns on a neutral field, right? I mean, you, you'd go down North Carolina, who you just dropped out of the top 25, had a far more convincing win over South Carolina than Georgia did, who was losing to that team 14 to three. At halftime of that game, so it, again, it just kind of goes back to we're just making up criteria and going with our our feelings as opposed to looking at resumes and looking at statistical analysis, saying that team, you know, deserves to be there. I know this team may beat so and so and such and such on a neutral field, but you get into that kind of conversation, and we should have just two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams in the playoff every year because that's always going to be the belief that well, the best team from the Big Ten, and the best team from the SEC the two best teams could always beat anybody else's two best on a neutral field somewhere. So let's just, let's just go to the two conferences now and, and put their two best against the other two best. Cause at some point in time, what happens on the field has to matter bill.
2: Right. And well, speaking of which Brandon, one of your commenters here, and I, and I do want to ask your opinion on this one is so I'm going to, I'm going to present it because everybody does these scenarios this time of year. Let's, let's do this one for Brandon since he asked and I'll set it up to you this way. Florida state wins out. Uh, High State, Michigan wins out. Washington wins out. There's three. Mm-hmm. Alabama beats Georgia. Texas wins out. The last three, so you got your three unbeatens. So we got Washington, Ohio State. We'll say Ohio State. We'll just mm-hmm. say they beat Michigan. That's why I'm
1: predicting to win. So I did know. too.
2: I said Ohio State 22-17. Um,
1: and you said Florida, Florida State's the other.
2: Florida State. There's three unbeatens.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Alabama beats Georgia by a touchdown uh who are they taking for that last spot
1: i mean uh, I, they, I, th- I think they go bama i do too, but which is but, wrong yeah i mean how do you have them jump over texas well that they, they beat georgia okay and texas beat alabama yeah there's no way in heck no way in heck they're leaving an sec team out of the playoff no way although you could argue they should right because what's What's the what are the games that, what's Georgia's justification for staying in for this season? There isn't one. If they lose to Bama and there's three other undefeated, they should be out. They they, they should be out in my because I think Alabama at that point in time Bill has a better resume. Right. Uh, I, I mean, just that's just the reality of it. Alabama would have the big win over Georgia. Georgia's best win is over Missouri. They they have the better win there. Uh, when you look at Alabama, their loss is similar because you'd lose to a number five or six. Um, a number five or six Texas team, right early in the season. Everybody values. You know, we we pretend what happened in September doesn't matter anymore. Alabama would have a win over over number twelve Ole Miss. So they'd have a they'd have a win over number let's say you know one Georgia, number twelve Ole Miss. Uh, you know they'd have a win over uh, number fourteen LSU. They have a win over number twenty one uh, Tennessee. Right now, Alabama has three wins over top twenty five teams. Georgia has two. Right. And this, that would give them, that would give Bama four wins right. over top 25 teams. And then they'd have an equal record. So, yeah. Do, do I think Bama's better than Georgia? No. What I, what I say, if they played again a week later on a neutral field, would I predict Georgia to win? Yes, I would. But I always say you're the champ until somebody beats you and somebody beat them and they don't have a good enough resume uh where to Alabama. Cause here's the thing if Georgia beats, if Alabama beats Georgia, but if Alabama would have just said, hey, we're going to schedule non conference like Georgia did, then Alabama's 13 and 0, and we're not having this conversation. Right, right. now, in, in Georgia's defense, they tried to schedule better. They were supposed to play Oklahoma this year, but the game got canceled by the conference because Oklahoma's joining the SEC. So I look at their non conference differently than Michigan's because they, right. they didn't intend to schedule this soft of a non conference. And it's not their fault the SEC East is down this year, but. You can't keep Alabama and SEC and, and Alabama both in when you if you have three undefeated. So if you're an SEC homer, you got to be praying for Oregon to beat or, or Oregon or Washington State to beat Washington. Got to be praying for Florida or Louisville to beat Florida State, and you've got to be hoping that you know one of those two two of those things happen. Because if those things don't happen, then you can still keep Texas in. Like that's the that's got to be the dream scenario for them. Because then you have the you'd have the. Uh, the winner of the the big 10 would still be in the two sec teams and then texas would be in cuz they they would have the 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 resume then at that point in time to be in cuz then they'd have a win over number 13 oklahoma
4: Keep it twisted.
2: Then that's probably where we're headed. So, um, not counting, I'll I'll ask you this one too. So, we'll we'll talk about Ohio State Michigan last. But Georgia, Florida State, Washington, best chance to lose the next two weeks.
1: Uh, Georgia, you said Georgia, Washington, and who? Florida State. I think Washington because I think they're playing the best team, and I think rematches are really hard to win. That mm-hmm. that's that's really what it comes down to for me, Bill. Now, ironically, as I mentioned, I believe last week the last two years the Pac-12 champ has won in a rematch where they also won the regular season game. Right. So if you follow trends, the the Pac-12 champ the last two years, the team that let won in the regular season won the rematch. The last time we saw that in the Big 12, obviously Oklahoma lost in the regular season to Texas and then got a re- rematch or revenge. We've seen it in the SEC where Auburn beat Georgia in 2017, then Georgia beat them in the SEC title game. So I just I just feel like Oregon's going to be a tough team to beat twice. I think Washington's capable of it. I, I do. Right. I won't be shocked if Washington beats Oregon again because I think Oregon played really well against Washington and still lost. Right. Like, re- repeating how well they played that game is is not going to be easy, especially since Washington's going to have a little bit of film on them, you know. So, um, you know, I I just – Louisville, to me, is going to have a tough time beating Florida State, I believe. I mean, I like Louisville. I like this football team. But they're not – they're not as good as these other teams. Like, they don't – even if they beat Florida State, they're not even – at 11, 12, and 1, they're not in my conversation for being in the playoff. They're, <laughs> they're just not
2: florida florida might have a better chance to beat florida state than louisville and i'm saying that in a weird way because it's at the swamp backup quarterback battle it's
4: a
1: rivalry game
2: rivalry game could get yeah. goofy it was a one score game last year. i remember i stayed up late and watched that one last year brian it was travis and anthony richardson running yeah. around I was, stuck in
1: a, I was stuck in an airport last year watching that flipping game was,
2: yeah so there's there's a case there um yeah. So, it, well, and then Georgia, I mean, obviously they're not going to lose this week and then right. they, they, they could lose to Alabama. I,
1: I don't think they will though. I
2: don't think they will yeah. either. I'm with you. Yeah. So, well, um,
1: yeah, I, I, I think we're having this sec conversation, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to take care of itself.
2: Right. Right. I just I think most uh, of it will.
1: Yeah. I think, I think Alabama is going to lose that game. I just don't think they have enough firepower and offense to win that game. I, I think they're the, still the same offense they've been. They're just playing teams that don't play very good defense in recent weeks. I think that's really what it boils down to. So I think George is hitting their peak at the right time. And I think George's—we we've talked about this on our show. I think George's injuries this year have made them a much better team because they had other guys that had to step up while McConkey was out. Then they had guys that had to step up with Brock Bowers is out. Well, now they're all kind of back, and that's partly why I predict I, I'm so confident in Ohio State beating Michigan because this is the healthiest Ohio State's offense has been since the Notre Dame game. You know kind of getting everybody back and that's kind of how i feel about georgia so i i think that's going to take care of itself but here's the scenario i want to ask you bill what happened what's your final four if oregon beats washington ohio state beats michigan and georgia beats alabama who's your four oregon beats washington, washington right, right. So, so if georgia beats bama they're in right If ohio state beats michigan they're in and then if Florida State beats Louisville, I gotta think they're in, right? Right. So we Let's got Washington beats or-, or Oregon beats Washington. And Texas. Texas runs the table. Who and who, then who's getting Michigan's
2: it? straggling there as Michigan's sitting there in and 11, Washington and are straggling with yeah. one loss each. Yeah. Uh I think they I think they'll take Oregon. I think they'll stick with their ranking. I think they'll put Bo Nix in the playoff, and then you'd be paired up with Texas would be left out. Texas would mm-hmm. be angry. Um, Deservedly so. And this is where the Florida State pressure point will be coming in because they'll be like, Texas is healthy, and Texas beat Alabama, and Texas is the Big yeah. 12 champion, and Texas wears Texas uniforms. And right. they uh, they might try to, like, strong on Florida State out of the playoff there. Yeah. I would probably say Oregon, so we'd have Georgia-Oregon, which would be fun. Dan Lanning gets a rematch. and then Maybe, yeah. Ohio State, Florida State, and uh, Buckeyes would – Probably rule there. And I think right they now. In a
1: long, it's been a long time since those two teams have played, right? I mean. They I, played in Sugar like the Sugar Bowl a long time
2: ago, yeah. Sugar yeah, like Bowl during 90s. the Cooper
1: era. Yeah, I was not saying like late 90s, I think, is the last time those two teams played.
2: Right. And, yeah. and now well, if Florida State loses, so we could throw that part into this yeah.
1: equation. Let's say Louisville beats Florida State. Let's just go there.
2: And then we have, they'll go Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas. And That's that why that yeah. playoff would be fun yeah. because you'd that- have Georgia and Texas play and then you'd have Ohio state and Oregon playing. And then I would, and if Michigan wins, you could put up Michigan in that high state spot, Michigan, Oregon, would be a lot of fun too. Um, it would bring back some Dennis Dixon nightmares for some people, but you know, that happens. Um, Or if they played Ohio State, it'd be Anthony Brown nightmares. But either way, it'd be a good infomercial for the Big Ten to have Oregon and Ohio State playing and a good infomercial for the SEC for There's going to be a
1: good infomercial for the Big Ten regardless of who wins the Pac-12 because Mm -hmm. the winner is going to the Big Ten. I mean, the the winner and the loser are going to the Big Ten next year, assuming they both hold serve this weekend, which is not a guarantee. Like This is what could really get interesting, Bill. If Oregon State beats Oregon... And then Oregon goes and beats Washington. That's when you could start to have some fun with how these all all these things shake out, because then you could have potentially the potential of Washington still getting in, much much like TCU last year, where they kind of back in because everybody else lost in the last two weeks. Right. You know, so it could get very interesting because Clemson lost late. Uh, They lost to South Carolina that knocked them out. USC lost to Utah that knocked them out. And it's just kind of like nobody wanted to be in. And so USC and Ohio state, or I mean, uh, TC and Ohio state just kind of backed in you know, right. the playoff last season and both played, right. you had, had pretty good first rounds by the way.
2: Well, let's talk a little Ohio state, Michigan before we get out of here. Yeah. I do have a uh, Brandon requested a Trochi trivia question. I have one for you. We'll do after. We'll I like
1: that. it though. Bender brain, Bender brain
2: buster. buster. I'll I'll that. I dig but, that. Yeah, we'll we'll come with that. So well, you know, I wrote a story about this game this week. And as you know, grew up in Central Ohio, I, I always like to make the joke. My groomsmen were a collection of Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. And uh we had a Michigan we had a Sparty in there. We picked on him a lot. Uh I always so You
1: gotta get your diversity quote in there, man. You know, you gotta get your diversity quote well, of friends in there.
2: Well, so we go to this bar in Canton. And it was Munson. It was named after Thurman Munson. I think his son ran the bar. And we go in, and we're all getting our beers. And the Michigan State guy says, "You know, Joe Montana's overrated, right?" And like, and we were all Catholic school kids, so like, you just saw like six tur- heads turn. And my wife said, "Just make sure you're at the altar tomorrow." Like, <laughs> and then she went, you know, she walked aisle, walked out, and we were there. But it was, you know, from there it was on. Um, point being. This game's always been a you know mm-hmm. 365 day type talking point for me, and we wrote a piece at Sporting News about how it's going to change because it is going yeah. to change after this year. It's not going to be there's not going to be divisions. There's going to be 18 teams in the Big Ten. You know, this is the back to back 11. I think the 11 and 0, 11 0 thing will be few and far between. There'll mm-hmm. be the possibility of a Big Ten championship game and even playoff games where they play. So this is the last one that has real consequences, yeah. like real, real consequences, because I think the loser's not going to the playoff. And, you know, like I said, without Harbaugh, I mean, Bill and I were arguing about this for two weeks. I said, that's a huge deal that he's not on the yes. sideline. And I still believe that.
1: Well, I think we saw that the last two weeks. I, I, I mean, to me, part of the reason they beat Penn State was because James Franklin's going to James Franklin. Right. But we kind of saw it last week when Maryland started their comeback. There wasn't that, OK, Who, who who's going to do what they need to do to kind of say, hey, let's let's go put this team away. Like we've, we've seen so many times with Jim Harbaugh. And there's so there's there's going to be so much back and forth, tough decisions that they just haven't really been in that situation in the last two weeks. And And look, I think sometimes people like to discount the importance of coaches in these in these contests, Bill. And coaches are very important. That's why we're always hammering James Franklin so much, because he does things and makes decisions that impact the game, often negatively for his football team in big games. And the whether you like it or not, or whether you want to attribute it to the sign stealing or whatever the case may be, you know Ryan Roberts on our show today made a point. He's like, look, let's just say Michigan was stealing signs. What did that have to do with Aiden Hutchinson just destroying the Ohio State tackles two years ago? Right. Nothing. What did that have to do? with Ohio State's offensive line lo- or defensive line is getting blown off the ball by Michigan's offensive line, right? I mean there's been a level of this team has just physically whooped Ohio State the last two years, right? And so the interesting thing about it, Bill is is the hardball thing is is what we're all talking about. And and I and I do think it's kind of set cuz I grew up in Ohio too. I grew up in Northwest Nerd. Ohio. So I'm kind of like right in between like the two areas, it's right. Like not too much, you know, where I live, it's not that much further to get to Ann Arbor than it is Columbus. And I grew up a Notre Dame fan, right. Who's not Catholic. So it was a very interesting dynamic, but you always, remember this was just always the biggest game of the year for these two teams. And we just going back to the eighties and nineties, when you and I were kids, when, you know, Michigan had great teams and you're like, man, you're just, this is for the Rose bowl. There was always something on the line. And then you right. go back to like the 06 season where, like the winner of that game is going to play for a championship, and the other one's going to is going to be disappointed going to the Rose Bowl. Now, to your point, they could play in a game like 06 and then have to play again a week later right. in the Big Ten title game, and then maybe again if the if the winner you know if the if the rematch is like the loser wins the rematch, there, there's going to be years where they may meet meeting again in the postseason in the playoff if they because if they both get in a 12 team playoff. Then they win enough, and then they're playing each other again, and it kind of right. takes away from some of the, sh- some of the uniqueness of the winner take all approach of this game. And and I and I, I don't necessarily like that, to be honest with you, um, especially if it's a rematch in the Big Ten title game. I, I wouldn't mind it as much if it's a rematch in the, in the postseason because I mean we've seen that before. We've seen right. you know like like um, Illinois and Michigan. I mean all the way back in '89. You know, when they, they had their rematches, we've seen these these Duke North Carolina, th- these rematches. I remember the, when the Fab Five, when Michigan beat North Carolina or lost to North Carolina in the title game, they played North Carolina and beat North Carolina during the regular season at a, you know, one of those Maui. The, rain- the, the rainbow classic. classic. Right? Yeah. That was just, uh, yes. As
2: soon as we get off here, I'm going to go watch the Maui yeah. Invitational. I just saw that seven. Right. Eight foot, that eight foot center still right. plays at Purdue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you can,
1: get, you can get those kind of rematches if, hey, if you win enough games and you win enough games and you're the two best teams and let's see you play again. Right. But this notion that they're going to potentially play a week later really just does take a lot of the the, right. the uniqueness out of what this matchup has been yeah. for our entire lives.
2: I talked to John Jansen, um, the, the tackle he played five, four years, started 50 games at Michigan, played against Notre Dame, obviously, played 12 years in the NFL. And he told me point blank, he said the 1997 game, which is going to lead into my trivia question for you in a minute. But the 1997 game against Ohio State, he said, I played 12 years in the NFL, played in playoff games, played here, He because that was the most violent and physical game I ever played in. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and look at the dudes on the field. It was you know, Jansen, Hutch, Katzenmoyer. Um, oh, no, one wow. of the things that the Notre Dame-Michigan, route, at least to me, that Notre Dame-Michigan and why I was selfishly hoping that Notre Dame-Ohio State would become a thing is like when I went to that game earlier this year, I was like, this is amazing yeah. watching these two teams play. And, you know, you know, every I know Ohio State and Notre Dame only played five or six times, but I know most of the details of most of those games. Right. I know what happened. I know who scored the touchdowns. Michigan, Notre Dame, same way. I mean, I know exactly where it was. We were all crowding in a buddy's house, a bunch of Catholic kids, a couple of Michigan fans, a couple of Ohio State fans, everybody sprinkled in. And we remember watching Rocket Ismail run the, the kicks back.
1: Yeah. Two of them. He kicked to him twice. Which never happened against Michigan. I mean, that's the whole reason they <laughs> kicked to him in the first place. But it was like, we,
2: nobody returns kicks against us. So they kicked. Yeah. And those games were special in the Midwest right. because the Notre Dame game to me signified the beginning of fall. It was an amazing game. You know, school just started. Those kind of things. And then the michigan Ohio State game was kind of like, okay, Thanksgiving, now we got to do this winter thing and put our winter coats on, which... Is never fun, but I, I think this game will be fun. Despite everything that's going to happen that could still happen off the field with Harbaugh, I think when these two teams line up, you're going to have two elite defenses. I picked Ohio State to win 22 to 17. I put shouldn't spoil that because I'm doing the pick show with Bill tomorrow, but it. It could go. It literally could go either way on one turnover or one or two plays. Yeah, and those are the. It could be a. And it's, it's going to be a lot like what we watched when Ohio State played Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, I, this is this is going to be a lot like what we grew up watching from these games. I mean, you know, you talked about the Notre Dame Michigan games back when they played in the '80s and '90s. It was always that kind of back and forth game. It was never, you know, like what we've seen from Ohio State and Michigan in recent years. I mean, just I'm just thinking back to when I was a kid. You know. And and Lou Holtz, they win Notre Dame wins 19 to 17. The next year they win 24-19. The next year they win 28-24. The next year with Desmond Howard Michigan wins 24-14. They tied the next year. Notre Dame won the next year, 27-23. Michigan won the next year, 26-24. And that's that's kind of how I remember these Ohio State and Michigan games growing up. And I think this game is going to be a lot like that. And I think it's fitting if it is if it does turn out like that, because it's like the if if it is the final version of this game with the current feel that we've talked about. It it will be good to see it be more like a throwback game where it's a it's a trench game in the cold. You know whose line is going to be the toughest, whose running back is going to make the biggest play, whose linebacker is going to make the biggest stop, right? You know, and then whose quarterback is going to make the most clutch throw, and that's what we grew up watching in this rivalry. And I do think it's going to be like that. I want to bring up one last thing about this game to you, Bill. I've had a bunch of people say, "Man, like there's a lot of pressure on Michigan," and I, I've actually said this: I think the most pressure in this game is on Ohio State. Could you imagine the vibes of going around about for Ryan Day if he not only loses a third straight game to Michigan but does so with Jim Harbaugh sitting at home? He loses to Sharon Moore. Like, I actually think there's more pressure on Ohio State right now. I still think they're going to win, but I actually think there's now more at stake. Because if, if Michigan loses, it's kind of like, yeah, well, they didn't have their head coach, and there's been all this drama, all these distractions. Of course they lost. You know what I mean? Right. Ohio State loses with all those things true, with Jim Harbaugh sitting at home and Ryan Day. You know, with all this stuff going on, boy, it's it's going to get really noisy it, with the fan base in Columbus if all, if Michigan if Ohio State because they're just I, on. Maybe it's just Twitter. You tell me if the people around you're that way, Bill. But like every Ohio State fan I know, they're just assuming they're going to win this game on Saturday.
2: They and haven't like, lost three in a row to Michigan since 1995 to yeah. 97. And now, and and not just it's not just the numbers there. Now you go back and look at those three games, right? And I remember all three of them very well. A uh, high state, ninety-five, national championship caliber team loses. Ninety—that was the Shimonga Biaka Batuka game. Three hundred thirteen yards rushing. Ninety-six, high state again, national championship caliber team. They lose to. Sean Springs slips on a slant route. Ty Streets takes it to the house. Um, Michigan wins. Ninety-seven. The game I just referenced was a, the Charles Woodson game, basically. Mm-hmm. It was, he made three plays in that game. He just talked about it, Brian. Like he literally made the three plays, the special teams play, the the offensive play, and then the defensive interception in the goal line. They haven't experienced that in a long time. I got a call last year when I was driving back from the game from my best friend's dad, who's a Notre Dame fan, by the way, um, and a reasonable guy. Like he's like a mentor to me all all my life. You know, and he said, Billy on the Fox telecast, they're chanting, we want urban. Cause that game was in Columbus in the post game show. They wanted urban after two losses. I mean, Ryan day is. 50, I think, let me like at it right here. I did 55. Let me make sure 55 and six, but the two is what they care about here. Right. And if it becomes a three, I absolutely believe. So, so I'll present it to you this way. There's more pressure on Ohio state. The fault, but they're not going to fire him. They're not. They're, well, it's they're, not
1: that they're going to fire him. It's just because let's not forget that that John Cooper was gone three years after that last game of those three. And the, the, what happened to me? It was the the culture became so toxic that it was almost impossible right. for him to recover. Which is like what happened with Gus Malzahn. It didn't matter what Gus Malzahn did. It was right. never going to be good enough once they turned on him, and and that's kind of what it boils down to. They for me. will turn on him. You got a. Point. That's the thing that I'm saying. You,
2: you're nailing that. Now I think the. The fallout from a loss and the the program-wide questions will fall on Michigan if they lose. Because the way I'm seeing this play out is if they lose, they go to the Orange Bowl, they play Louisville probably, Mm -hmm. and then we got to do, is Harbaugh going to leave? What's the NCAA going to do? How how much farther does this Watergate-like college football scandal story go? Mm -hmm. If they win, we still do all those things. But they're getting ready to play like a Florida State or Iowa, and they'll beat Iowa. Both of these teams will beat Iowa. Um, But so the program wide implications fall a little bit harder on Michigan. But the pressure, and and you bring up an interesting point. I didn't think of it that way. That after that ninety seven game, I think High State won the next one, then they lost, then they lost, and that was it. Like they wanted ninety eight, they actually beat Tom Brady, (laughs) and uh, but it didn't. You know, they didn't get to where they needed to be with John Cooper even though he had to- Here,
1: here's my thing about it though in in a four-year stretch John Cooper went 11 and 2, 11 and <laughs> 1, 10 and 3, 11 and 2, finished ranked 6th, 2nd, 12th and 2nd. And in 3 of those four years, they the, you know, the, a, a loss to a team in Michigan kept them from playing for a title, right? right. Within 2 years after that last game of that stretch, he was gone. Meaning there was no patience for him. Like the first time he had a downfall, he was out right. because of that. And so if you're Ryan Day, are they going to fire Ryan Day because he lost three in a row to Michigan? No. But you're going to get to the point where the only thing that's going to save you is a national title. And fr- you better not have a down 9-3 and three season because then you you might be gone. You know what I mean? Especially with a new AD coming in. Because you, you don't know if, if, if he's going to have your back the way that Gene Smith did. There's all these type of things to factor into it. Because you and I both know Ohio State fans. There's certain unfor- unforgivable sins. And yes. losing to Michigan's bad enough losing three in a row. But losing to Michigan with everything going on, it's going to be like, hold on a second. Well, if like, they lose to Sharon
2: Moore, it. it's going to be different. It's yeah. gonna hit really hard, so
4: yeah.
2: But I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. We'll have a lot of coverage over at Sporting News. I promise you that. I got like four stories I've, I've written. Okay. You're gonna a, be there, right? I, I will be there. I, I'm educating people on the. I looked back another part of this, and and then we. You know, I know this is Notre Dame Irish breakdown, but the the other part of that because I know what, like all the Michigan Notre Dame stuff and the Ohio State Notre Dame stuff too. I was saying the 10 year war was amazing when you look back at it. Like they had four games over a four year stretch that were decided by a combined total of seven points with a tie in there. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. So, well, uh, Brian, I was going to ask you, I'll get us out of here on this one. Um, here's my Trochi trivia question. I'll borrow his. Michigan, and we talked about that 90, 1997 game. They beat Notre Dame 21-14 to that season. It was one of those uh, tight, just like you said, a game that we'll probably watch on Saturday. Can you name either Notre Dame player that scored a touchdown in the first half and the Irish led 14 to 7
1: from 1997?
2: Yeah, the 1997 Michigan Notre Dame game. I'll give you a hint.
1: Yeah. Um, I know I know who scored the first one for Notre Dame. I just met him a couple weeks ago.
2: Right, Ron Paulus threw a touchdown to Bobby this guy. Brown. There, yeah, there you Bobby go. Brown. Can you name
1: the yeah. other one that scored for Notre Dame? It was
2: on a 2-yard run.
1: I can
4: Here it comes. He did not
1: finish his his career playing this position for Notre Dame, but I believe the second touchdown was a right up the middle run from Tony driver, Tony driver. Right. Very well yeah. done. And that he game. was a big time recruit for Notre Dame, man. They thought he was going to be a duty ended up finishing his career playing safety.
2: There you go. Yeah. So they led for, and the Michigan guys that scored touchdowns in this game were if you want to turn down the clock, Clarence Williams, um, High Streets gets his uh, second mention on this podcast, so he's happy somewhere. And Chris Floyd, the fullback, I've talked to Chris a couple times. He's a very good dude. So uh, that's a throwback to when I was a little bit younger. I remember that game, though. It was another typical, like you said, that's why I I hope Saturday's like that. Because it'll be a game that I remember growing up with where, man, one score, one play, one mm-hmm. one kick, one yeah. one. You can always but,
3: point yeah.
1: to that one play, like wow, that fourth down stop, that fourth fumble, that right. you know, like you start thinking of the the names from it, you know, Tim Biakabatuka, Tyrone Wheatley, Carlos Snow. It's a name from my from my childhood in this matchup. You know, you think of all the great receiver Michigan. I always remember like the great Michigan receivers against the great Ohio State Corners, you know, from the nineties and and vice versa. So it I do hope it's a it's a classic matchup. I said this bill, my last question for you. We talked about this earlier today, and our comment was, "I do not see this game being like it's been in in recent years. Either way, you know, because we we've seen the, this game kind of it's it's been a it it hasn't been an overly competitive game, uh, like as far as like in in several years. I think you'd have to go back to what would it be twenty sixteen? That was the last close one. Yeah, and and, then- and most of them have been you know like. Michigan dominated the last two. The two before that, Ohio State won 56-27, 62-39, 31-20. And then the 16 game was close. And then the two years before that were you know, convincing Ohio State victories. I said this, if a team wins by a similar margin to last year, it'd be Ohio State. I, I don't see Michigan being K- able this year to go score on Ohio State like that. I think it would be one of those things where if the dam breaks for Michigan and they get behind... I could see just – Ohio State pouring it on. Yeah, turnover here. Yeah. You know, and, and that's where the not having Harbaugh factor to say, guys, we're fine. Settle down. We're okay. Right. You know, where Sharon Moore's got to be over there dealing with the offensive line when the head coach would otherwise be, you know, right. or, or he's not dealing with the offensive line and somebody else is, and that's as bad too. I think if there is a blowout like that, it would actually be Ohio State that would do it.
2: I agree. I don't yeah. think Michigan can win. will win this game – by more than 10. But here's the thing. I, like I said, picked Ohio state. I didn't take anything. I didn't take as much as other people take from last week because I was like, once that clock hits zero, both of those teams are going to say we want, they didn't like, they're not dwelling on Maryland. Right. They're not dwelling on Minnesota. They're they might be dwelling on. Okay. Is this guy hurt? Is this guy hurt? You know, Roman Wilson went down. Michigan had a tackle go down. Ohio state's trying to get Tommy Eikenberg healthy. That's what they start worrying about. I've been
1: play at this weekend, by the way, did he come back for them at safety against Minnesota? I don't Minnesota? know. Because I, I, I know, know they're trying to get him back too. I, wasn't sure. no, I know they, was not sure. They don't have up.
2: ransom. They didn't have yeah, ransom, that. but that, then they got to do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's what we, I, I remember being at this game one year and we were like last year, everybody watched Blake Corum all during warmups. He had two carries. So once right. they get on the field, all that figures it out. They start playing and, and we'll see.
1: And we've seen this before, Bill. I mean, wasn't it a couple years ago when Ohio State smacked? Um, what year was it that it was it twenty nineteen when Ohio State uh, smacked Michigan? I'm trying to no, it wasn't then. What year was it that Ohio State smacked Michigan? And it was 2018 when they blew Michigan out. In 2018, a week before they barely beat Maryland. Remember that 52-51 sh- shootout where that running back for Maryland just went off in that game? Like what happened the week before? Doesn't to me like you right. said, Michigan's not going to be dwelling over that loss my point about bringing up is ohio state's getting healthy right and they're getting healthy and now you're seeing what their offense is capable of when they're healthy and that's more of what i mean by the momentum but no michigan's not going to lose to ohio state because they struggled with with maryland just like ohio state didn't lose to michigan in 2018 because they struggled with maryland the week before and and that game to me was a lot more they might lose than what we saw from michigan this past weekend
2: right um, and to you know, clear that up I mean, proctor should play this weekend okay Good. So And he may have a club of some sort. <laughs> who knows? <But laughs> Which who will be knows? perfect.
4: Perfect
1: visual for what I think this game is going to be. Because right. you and I had this discussion last week. I I do not think Michigan's defense is as good as people. It's not a top three to four defense. It's still very good. I think last week somewhat showed that. However, this is still two very good physical right. defensive football teams. with right. Playing against two not very good, just okay offenses is really what it boils down to. So at the end of the day, I think this game is going to be determined by whose offensive players and whose quarterback steps up and makes the most clutch throws. That's, to me, what this game is going to come down to. Because mm. you're going to have to earn every yard and every score, in my opinion, this game. And somebody's quarterback is going to have to step up and make some big-time throws. That's that's how I think this game is going to shake out, in my opinion. Right. Yep, I agree. So, it would be fun. We good? It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, man. You're going to have some big time. I mean, that's the that's what excites me about this year's um, conference championship schedule slate bills. There's a lot of – normally these games are just kind of boring and anticlimactic, but right. there's going to be a lot on the table in this year's title games for a lot of teams. Assuming teams can hold serve, assuming Louisville can hold serve against Kentucky this week and Florida State can can hold serve against, um, against Florida, those type of things. Oregon can beat Oregon State. Championship weekend is going to be a lot of fun a lot of fun. It's going to remind me a lot of 2021, you know, with the right. Big 12 and the SEC and all that other kind of stuff. It'll
2: but be the best one we've had in a few yeah. years. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. So you'll have to yeah. check us out. We have yeah. our prediction right. show tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to get I I think Bill Reed took the lead on me, but I'll I'll catch him tomorrow. He knows that.
1: Well, I have caught Andrew McDonough on the IB ranking. Yeah, there you go. I caught him and yeah. passed him last week. He's been kicking my butt all year, but I finally caught him. Uh, but that's going to do it, everybody. Bill, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. We'll be back next week, You, me, you, and Bill, next Tuesday night, breaking yeah. down sort of the final rankings before the the uh, conference championships. It's going to be very interesting to see where the loser of this Ohio State and Michigan game falls. Do they stay within striking distance if enough teams lose in championship weekend? Cause that's the thing too, is the loser of this game is going to be sitting there saying, what can possibly happen to allow us to kind of right. back into this thing, you know, over this next year. Hey, let's go soon. Big 10 loser, go Sooners, go Cardinals. <laughs> right? right.
2: Yeah. I put that that's article cool. together next week. I always do the, the, all the scenarios and yeah. it's one of my fun, the the most yeah. fun articles we've put together and we'll yeah. have plenty of them that for that week. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, for Bill Bender, I'm Brian Driscoll. Thanks everybody for joining us. Joining us. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell on YouTube. I think you're going to enjoy the the shows that they have coming up. These guys are going to preview, dive even more into Ohio State, Michigan, and, and all the big games coming up this weekend. So for Bill, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. We'll talk to you again here very soon on the CFB Nation podcast.